All right, so good morning, Pat. Um, thank you for joining us today for our Nearpod podcast. Um, can you go ahead and start with telling us a little bit about yourself, the, your current position, role, and location? Absolutely. I am currently supervisor of instructional technology and an ITRT or instructional technology resource teacher in Clark County Public Schools in Virginia, which is located in Clark County, right in between Loudoun County, which touches DC and Winchester, which is right on the Route 81 side. I am also on the VISTI Board of Directors, Virginia Society for Technology and Education, and I'm currently starting a nonprofit called Unison EDU to help serve school districts that don't have the resources they need, either PD related or otherwise starting in the state of Virginia and then branching out from there. Awesome. So it sounds like you have quite um, a few accomplishments under your belt. Can you tell us, um, before you became a director, you were also an ITRT for, for the state of Virginia, correct? Yes. And currently I, I have that supervisor role, but I also am still an ITRT as well. So I, I kind of went from 10 months as an ITRT to last year being 11 months in that tech coach support role. And then this year, as of July 1, transition to supervising, but also still being that ITRT and being that ed tech coach. And it, it's a real thing of importance for me to make sure, regardless of where my role changes and if it goes to a district office position at some point, that I'm still out in the schools, I'm still working with kids, still working with teachers, because that's one of the biggest parts that I like to do. So I definitely want to maintain that kind of tie into all the schools throughout my career, wherever it goes. One thing that I'm always just curious to to know, because I know Sarah and I both had our stints in the education space. What what drew you to be becoming a teacher from the start, like or just getting an education um, for you? Like what, what was that? What kind of what was your drawing factor? I would say at the very beginning, my factor was having kind of almost a typical story of having a few teachers coming up through that I could really relate to and that were somebody that kind of listened to me and I truly felt kind of saw me as a person, valued me as a person versus just kind of another student in the room. And having those experiences and positive things really led me to believe that I could maybe do that same thing and help to connect with kids and hopefully change some lives along the way, not only student-wise, but educator-wise as well. And from there, too, I've realized over the years that part of it was that I was really good at, and I think it's in George Kuros's book, um, that I was really good at the game of school. And I I could get straight A's. I always wanted straight A's, and I was really good at that. So becoming a teacher made sense to me because I was really good at what I thought school was in education. Right. The thought process has really evolved since then to realizing and kind of going back to the initial push of kind of connecting and hoping to change lives and really help people along the way to whatever path they're looking to pursue. But I've realized along the way that at least initially that decision was probably split really between those two things. Definitely. That's amazing. And I mean, I know you have a lot going on, but, you know, I mean, at least outside of the classroom, but 
what are, I guess some things that, I, you know, we always hear for teachers is, you know, like and educators like yourself is, you know, they, they don't have time, um, you know, and there's there's not enough hours in the day. You know, how, do, how are you kind of balancing all what's on your plate and still having some space to, you know, do some of the other initiatives that you have outside of what you do in your role? And do you think that's maybe something that's more innate to some of your strengths and abilities? Or um, is that something that other folks, you know, you have some tactic, tactics that other folks can kind of take on to, to do the same? I would say that that's still, and I think it is for a lot of us, a work in progress as far as kind of that work-life balance side of things. Um, I would say, first off, I, and this is probably something that can apply to other people as a useful kind of strategy to employ, but I have a few colleagues that I personally kind of tap into via social media and obviously in person when I'm at work too, that if they kind of get a sense that I'm starting to drag or I'm starting to really, I'm, I'm responding to emails late at night or early in the morning or things like that, that they're, we're good enough friends. And I've told him, you know, reach out to me and tell me like, Pat, you, you probably shouldn't still be online at midnight or three in the morning. I think right. you need to disconnect a little more. So I have kind of that built inside there. And then my wife is an awesome side to that as well, to where certain times I will say like, Right now, I have no meetings scheduled. I have no need for my phone, and I will just give her my phone so that I kind of have to disconnect for a little bit because my emails, everything, social media notifications all go to the phone. So unless that's not attached to me like it usually is, I'm going to check it. There's there's no way it's not going to happen. So I, I would say purposely building in some of those disconnects and then also being comfortable enough with those you surround yourself with that you're willing to delegate certain things to people and know that you don't have to check on it. You have no need to micromanage it, trust in those people to get it done, check back in, see if they need help, but let them run with it so that you don't have to worry about all the little pieces of all the things, but focus on kind of the top level where you can maybe, and then just that supportive role in other aspects. Definitely. Yeah, I think that's super helpful because I know, I mean, I know I hear it. I'm sure you hear it even just from your, you know, your coworkers and colleagues that, you know, it's the, it, it is tough to, you know, balance just what's, what's on our plate as an educator. Um, so, you know, it's good to hear that not only are you making, you know, the, the effort to have that good work-life balance, but with all what you have on your plate, but also, you know, delegating some of that, some of the, you know, the work that you have in front of you and being able to trust your colleagues as well. And I think part of it too, just listening to you and, and, and knowing all what you're involved in, a lot of it seems like stuff that you believe in as well. So it probably doesn't necessarily seem like work to you all the way, you know? Absolutely. And I think that touches on a perfect point in the fact that the more passionate you are about things, the less those things seem in any way to really be work. And that, that is a good thing. And there's, there's also another side to that, that obviously if I'm loving what I'm doing, I'm not thinking about depending on how much you are passionate about, you're pouring a lot of yourself into it. And you need to still keep in mind that even though you love it, it's going to take a toll if you're doing 12, 14, 16 hour days to kind of keep on track. 
And I think that goes back to, like we touched on trusting your colleagues and things and knowing those people that can help you out plays a big part of that. But I, I definitely 100% agree that passion plays a big part in kind of fueling teachers across the board. And it comes back to that side of, is it a passion for you? Is is it a job to go to Monday through Friday? Right. No, that's, that's um, I think you just hit it spot on. And, and I want to talk a little bit more uh, in a bit about kind of what are those other other initiatives that you have outside of um, the classroom, like, you know, like your nonprofit, but taking passion a, a, a step further, because I know one of the things that helped to bring Nearpod to Clark County was your passion about, about Nearpod. And I mean, you and I were on a back and forth of, you know, figuring out, you know, times and dates that, you know, we can help to bring some more awareness to Nearpod. Um, can you talk a little bit about, you know, what's what's been your experience with Nearpod? You know, what are some of the things that you, you love about Nearpod? And, and, and you know, how, how, I guess, what was the process like bringing Nearpod to Clark County? Yeah, so I would say I, I started with Nearpod and kind of just kind of tiptoeing into it years ago, even before it was really thought of as a thing to purchase, but kind of on that free side of things where you maybe don't get quite as much, but you can really get a good idea for what it can do. And right. I think that's how in the ed tech side of things, we really tiptoe into a lot of things to kind of evaluate that front facing side a little bit, if you will. And then from there, got to learn a little more, got to see how it evolved over the years and how much like the content library grew, things like that. And I think those things, just seeing constant updates, knowing that it was something that was well supported, something that wasn't going to or didn't give any impression that it was just going to go away, but it was going to be there for years with people constantly supporting it. Those things all helped for me as far as when admins came to me, especially at the middle school where we really started when Evan Rob came and said, you know, what can we do? What tool is out there that could really make an impact? Nearpod was one of those first things because of those factors and the fact that I know getting teachers to adopt new tools, having that lesson library of over 7,000 things kind of ready to go is a huge selling point to get initial buy-in with our teachers to know I don't have to start from scratch. I can just tweak it, kind of go from there. And then being able to start with one school versus all of them also kind of helped us to grow kind of a pilot and not necessarily mandate any kind of use, but let teachers kind of use it as, as they would and kind of let it organically grow and expand. And now we have a full school that can help our expanded use of it in our other three schools across the district. And I think all of those things play really well together to hopefully make it a successful implementation across the board. And of course, having Sarah as our rep and having her come to not only one, but two of our sessions at our conferences, and then also come and speak with our admin team in the summer, having that face-to-face -face person as our rep that actually come on site has really helped our teachers to realize and see this isn't just some tech tool out there that Pat's telling us about, and we have this this rep that's kind of out there somewhere that we'll never see. No, they're, they're seeing her firsthand. They're knowing that this is going to be a constantly supported thing. 
And not only did that help delay the foundation, but that has helped us get as far as we are now. Definitely, yeah. I mean, I always talk up Sarah to you know all of our our partners, but I mean, I think really one of the things that I feel like sets Sarah and I apart is that that personal touch, right? Like really, truly trying to build relationships and and, and partnerships with with some of the folks that we're working with. Um, what do you what with all the different resources that there, that there is um, that there are in the space of education, technology, um, how do you kind of set, or at least like, I, I guess, make the difference between the ones like Nearpod that, you know, you can become passionate about. It seems that, it, you know, it's very intuitive for, for teachers and some of the ones that I guess come and go, like what, what's your hot take on, you know, how do you pick, make your, your pick of, you know, world of choices? Yeah. So, one of the things I touched on kind of already, too, is just the the longevity of a tool. So when I first start looking at tech tools, I don't kind of jump right in just because it's the newest, flashiest thing. I might mm. tiptoe into it. I might share it a little bit, but I'm not going to push for it unless it's like a life-changing thing. I'm not going to push for it to be a school-wide or district-level thing until I see that it's been around a little while. I'm seeing that updates are happening because just in the space of Google, we know Chrome updates constantly different things in Google update all the time. Right. So that tech tool is not continually updating. I don't know how long it's going to work. And that's an issue for me because I don't want our teachers to get invested into it, build lessons, units, projects with it, and then see it just go away. So that longevity is a big thing. And then I also want to see that there's some communities maybe established or getting established so that that support structure isn't just me. I know there's support obviously with our rep and things with Nearpod, but I know there's Facebook side, there's Twitter side. So there's a bunch of different avenues for our teachers to get support that aren't just coming from me. And then also, I guess, connected to that, maybe a third and final thing, at least for now, is just kind of that general social media buzz or presence that comes with a lot of tools that are getting used and are getting successfully used and seeing those hashtags pop up, seeing it popular enough that it can actually support and sustain a Twitter chat, things like that. Yeah, definitely. And I'll touch it. Another thing that we started looking for in Clark a lot, just for ease of our students is being able to log in with Google and also for our teachers. And of course, Nearpod has that and the other a range of tools have that now, but our teachers, our students across the board, if we can help them not have to remember one more password, I'm going to do that every time. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's definitely the, one of the, I guess one of our more important tools is, you know, we don't collect student um, data and, and I mean, we hear it from folks all the time. Like, you know, at this point it's like eight to 10 passwords that they have to remember anyway. So <laughs> I think it's a huge piece. And as we look at tools, and this is maybe another thing to piggyback on it, is it's looking for tools that do more than one thing a lot of times as well. Sometimes tools are really, really good at one thing, and that's that's good. But if we can find a tool that we can teach our teachers, teach our students, and it's going to give them a wealth of things within one easy-to-use interface, and tools like Nearpod do that, um, that's a huge thing for us where they can learn one thing 
but branch out into a bunch of things just from that one interface. So you bring up a lot of um, valid points in terms of interface, um, and I love that. Could you speak a little bit more to um, the impact Nearpod has on student achievement? Yeah, I, I would say across the board, um, we've used it mostly at the middle school, but we tiptoed into it at our elementary schools before school ended last year. But just the ease of students, whether it's a kindergarten kid or first year first grade student up through middle school, up through high school, the fact that they can join, it's not instantly, but within a few seconds, just by typing in a simple code is huge for our teachers to be able to get kids in quickly, get them learning. And then the multiple avenues for those little engagement pieces of the interactive components, whether it's a VR opponent or a drawlet or a collaboration board, any of those many things you can build in being able to do those things pre-planned or even with a few clicks, launch them out on a fly has helped our students not only stay a little more engaged, but also on the teaching side, we can get that data from the reports or even just the live as it's happening and know where each one of our students is at each time. So we can then spin it out and differentiate from there. And using the student pace side has been huge not only for when our teachers are there and doing things like station-based learning where the kids can kind of go through on their own, things like review after the fact, but also almost instantly upon um, adopting Nearpod, it became one of our go-to things for sub plans as well to prep really engaging full featured lessons that our teachers didn't have to give usernames and passwords and things to. We could just give the code or even use the sub plan feature so the subs had everything they needed and the students were engaged the whole time and following along and our teacher could check in as well. That's great. That's, that's really good. I mean, it, I mean, it sounds like a lot of times I don't, I feel as though there's the folks aren't using, um, you know, at least all of the features in Nearpod, but I mean, it really sounds like you have your hand in, in a lot of what Nearpod can do. Um, I guess, what advice would you give to other districts, you know, who are on the maybe on the edge of wanting to go district wide or, you know, still thinking about it? What, what's some good advice for those folks to to take that leap and, and completely go district wide with something like Nearpod? I would say and I would hope that some of them follow kind of the model we did. But in respect to I would start if you haven't already and you're just kind of looking at tools, form a group or choose a school that you really think could adopt it, really use it, and serve as a great pilot. And if possible, if it's not necessarily a school, pull certain people together from each one of your schools so you can have a pilot of a certain number of teachers that are across every level and either run a trial with the full features or buy it for that certain number run that for a little bit, get used to it, see how it works, have those teachers engaging, sharing, collaborating with other teachers and see kind of how that momentum is building, see how it looks on the ground when it's actually being used and right. then ramp it up from there. But that base is not only gonna help to kind of generate the buzz, generate the buy-in when it comes, but it's also gonna give you that stable of people ready and willing and passionate about the tool to help keep driving it forward and do things like we've done in Clark where 
we've taken an entire faculty meeting and split it out into five or six different sessions that specialize in, for instance, Nearpod in math or Nearpod in English. And people can choose the sessions they want to go to based on the topics. But then you also have that group that, that can then go out through your other schools and present at all the different schools to not only augment your support staff, but keep that buzz going and show this is a district thing. I can collaborate with a person from the element, other elementary or even grab a middle school lesson right. and, bring it and things like that. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, I think that's great advice for, for any, anybody who's thinking about possibly going district wide. Um, that's, that's, that's great. I think that's, that you hit it right on the money. Um, and, and I guess one of the last things I know, you know, I wanted to, to touch on your nonprofit and, and bring some awareness um, to that as well. Do you mind just giving us a little blurb about kind of what you're doing? What are, what's the vision um, for your nonprofit? And if there's any help that, you know, folks can do or join in, um, you know, what, how can they become a part of, uh, of this and, and in what fashion? Yeah, so the nonprofit is unisonedu.org, and our mission is fairly straightforward, and it's to provide a world-class support to all educators in need. And again, that can be professional development, it can be ed tech, it can be a person that's new to being a principal or an ed tech coach or a kindergarten teacher that just wants to connect with somebody and talk about it. But our hope is that we're going to positively transform education and digital equity through providing a team of support across grade levels, content areas, leadership, and technology expertise. And we're starting out in the state of Virginia, but my hope is that it's going to branch out to states well beyond Virginia. And the website is live. We have just one blog post so far, but the, the website is unisonedu.org. And there's a ton of ton more information there. Um, there's information on getting assistance. There is a page that's going to show you all about the team. You can email me directly at phausedu at gmail.com if you're thinking about joining the team or if you just really want to get an idea, more of an idea of what we do or how to support. And we also live on Twitter and all our members, team members' Twitter handles are live there as well. Okay. And our, our big goal is just really to make a positive um, effort to help schools and hopefully change the way some schools are perceived that maybe don't have the resources because we'd like to offer our support to them, but also maybe showcase a blog or something after the fact of why this place is such a great place to work and a great place to be. Definitely. Well, you guys heard it here first. I know we have a lot of our, our listeners who, you know, are in Kentucky and um, Virginia, all across kind of like this mid-Atlantic region. So um, hopefully, you know, you guys can kind of take a look at the site and, and do your own research. But I think with that, Patrick, I, I want to thank you for your time. Thank you for all that you do in the classroom and beyond. And, you know, I, I, I want to continue to work with, with you and Sarah and, and what I think is a great start to, uh, I mean, an amazing partnership. Yeah, I appreciate being here. And I, I think the only, the last thing I would share is I am happy, I am on Twitter at PHAS as well. And I just shared out my email connected to Unison, but it, 
Unison is not the only thing. If you have questions on Nearpod or just want to connect on EdTech goodness, I am happy to help and support and always looking for great collaboration opportunities. Thank you so much, Pat. We really appreciate you meeting with us today and sharing all of your inspiring insights. Um, you can tell you truly have a passion for education. Always a pleasure. Thank you.